0: So as you are all aware, we are continuing our series on purity, right? And beforehand itself, I just wanna let all of us know, I'm not standing here as an expert on the subject. I am someone along with you who struggles. I am someone who also goes through the same temptation. And I'm also someone who's still learning to look at the cross and look at Jesus as I walk in my Christian life every day. So I want all of us to understand that we are in this journey together. Nobody here is perfect. We are all learning to help each other out. So just as an introduction to the session, I want us to think of two words, purity and holiness. Okay, purity and holiness. These are not two words that you would often find in the same sentences. Okay, purity and holiness. God but desires that his children would pursue purity so that we learn to become holy. But what happens to us as born again believers today is holiness is becoming, uh, is, is being taken over with addictions. Now even though we are talking about pornography and the struggles that you and I go through pornography, we are talking about addictions as a whole. And addictions is a very difficult chain to actually break. But we are going to look at God's holy word and what the word of God actually tells us. In fact, when I was just thinking about the session, born-again believers are the only people who should be dying in order for them to live. Right? And if you remember what was typed in that uh, photo that was sent in the groups yesterday, born-again believers are the only people who can call themselves the living dead. Yes, we are alive. Even if we are alive, we are alive in Christ. But that means you and I are dying every single day. Now, I want you to listen. We often hear on the pulpit every Sunday during the week that believing in the Lord Jesus Christ results in salvation. And looking at the cross and walking with Jesus helps us in our daily walk. It improves our relationship with And it helps us overcome addictions to fight the temptations in life. We hear that every Sunday. Look at the cross, look at Jesus. But have you ever found yourself wondering, what does that really look like? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever found yourself when we listen to such sermons saying, well, you know what, it sounds so good from the pulpit, but why is it not practical in my Christian life? Does it really make any sense to anybody when we tell them, look at the cross, look at the cross, and just keep looking at the cross? What does that really mean? What does that practically look like? Well, Romans chapter 6, if you open your Bibles with me, Romans chapter 6 will help us understand by giving us some essential truths and practical help. We are going to do an exposition, but we can't do a verse-by-verse explanation. And we are going to look at certain points from Romans chapter 6. Practical helps that allows us to understand this problem of sin that is there in your life and in my life. We are talking about all addictions, but specifically we are talking about the addiction with pornography. Now I'm sure you will agree with me, pornography can be very crippling. It can be very devastating. And in your lives and in my life, so those of us who have struggled, have overcome, or are still struggling, you and I understand all the decisions we have made in regards to pornography that has had such horrible effects, and some of us are still going through those effects. That's what pornography actually does. And the reason with pornography is because of the problem of sin that is there in our Lives. So look at Romans chapter 6. We're going to be looking at three important things, and that's how we are going to look at the passage. Number one, we are going to understand what it means to count ourselves dead to sin, verses 1 all the way to verse 11. Number two, we're going to look at how we should not continue the reign of sin, that is verses 12 onwards. And number three, we are going to talk about the consequences of the works of sin, verses 23. This is how the passage is going to be divided. You want to note this down. Please note this down because this will be very useful for us even after we finish listening to the session and we go back home. Number one, we are going to talk about how you and I can learn to overcome any addiction. Or for the matter that we are talking about pornography, we can overcome that addiction to pornography when we consider ourselves dead to sin. That is verses 1 all the way to verses 11. So turn with me to Romans chapter 6. And verses 1, from uh, chapter 6 verses 1 all the way to verses 11, it talks about how you and I should consider ourselves dead to sin. Now in this portion, now please listen to me carefully, I want to start by talking about our identity in Christ. We need to understand that being dead to sin talks about our identification in Christ. And When I saw this picture yesterday, I thought it was a beautiful reminder, right? We look at our fingerprints as we heard this morning. It is God's image that is there in us the moment we enter into salvation. Our identity is in Christ today. What does that really mean? Please turn to me to chapter 5, Romans chapter 5. Now look at what it says, verses 1. Romans chapter 5 and verses 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Quick question. Whose work is justification? Loudly, okay? Let's be interactive. Whose work is justification? A little more louder. Whose work is justification? Has God already justified us? Yes or no? Can we do anything to be justified by God? So should we leave that work completely to God? Yes or no? That's what justification and that is what our identity actually means. To be completely justified by God. Now, look at chapter 5 and verses 1. The work of justification belongs to Christ and the only thing that God is asking us to do is to enjoy our standing and our identity in Christ. Now look at verses 2. Because of justification, verses 2, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So because of the justification work of Jesus on the cross, you and I have grace. I want to add a word to it sufficient grace, sufficient grace which continues the process of justification, which is the work of the Lord Jesus on the cross. It has already been done. We enjoy the result of that work which is sufficient grace made available to you and to me. Now verses 3, chapter 5 and verses 3. What does grace do because of the work of justification? Sorry, verses 2, the last part. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We have a word there called Hope. So let's put this together. The work of justification is already done by Jesus on the cross. What do we get? We get sufficient grace. This sufficient grace promises us what? A little more louder. Hope. Now look at verses 5. The hope that we have is a hope that does not. Come on, guys, that does not disappoint us. So what does that mean? When we wake up every morning, we do not have to feel We do not have to feel disappointed because we have what? Which is resting on what? The sufficient grace made possible by the justified work of Jesus on the? The only thing we are called to do by God is to believe and enjoy it. So here's the question. How many of us wake up each and every morning with a sense of disappointment? And how many of us can honestly say I wake up each morning with a sense of renewed Hope based on the work of Christ. Let's be honest here. Isn't it true that many of us wake up each morning saying, You know what? I just can't. I will not feel satisfied unless I go back to pornography. And you know what? There is no point, Jobin, because this is a cycle in my life. I agree. It is a cycle in our lives. But we many a times take very lightly what it actually means by the sufficient grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Am I making sense? The reason is, we fail to understand that justification is completely the work of Christ. You know what you and I do? If Christ did something for me, then I, yeah, say it, I also need to do something. And that's the lie that you and I feed ourselves to. Now Keep that in your mind. Come to chapter 6 and verses 1. Now this identity that we have in Christ allows us, as we saw, sufficient grace. Now look at chapter 6 and verses 1. The sufficient grace of the Lord Jesus Christ should encourage us not to commit, fill in the blanks, sin. I have done this many a times and we've heard so many people stand here on the pulpit and scream out and say, just because the grace of God is sufficient, we should not commit sin. That is right. But look at what Apostle Paul is saying. There are many born-again believers who do not realize the sufficiency in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Agree or disagree? That's true. What does it mean? Practically, when I wake up, I don't feel forgiven. My forgiveness, my confession does not make sense because I confess and then I go back to my sin. What we do is we place the grace of God on our human standards, but it actually rests on the character of who God actually is. He's already justified me. I receive sufficient grace and this grace promises me hope. That means when I wake up, I don't have to wake up with disappointment. Grace of the Lord Jesus encourages me not to commit sin, but it allows Christ's work of transformation in my life. Let me ask you all a question. The transforming, transforming work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Does God desire this transforming work to happen overnight? Yes or no? Guys, a little more louder. Is God patient with us? So who's impatient? Why are we Why are we impatient? Because we desire to see results or change. Who told us that? We ourselves. Does the Bible say that? No. God is patient and kind and understanding. But we fooled ourselves into thinking, no, I need to stop pornography in the sense of I will no longer watch today onwards. It might happen for some of you and I praise God. But for the most of us, that's not true. It's very, very difficult. When you and I cannot wake up each morning and feel forgiven, then how will you and I overcome an addiction like pornography? So look at chapter 6 and verses 1 and 2. We shall not continue in sin. Neither, now listen, neither should we continue in sin, nor should you and I carry the burden, guilt of sin. Why? Because there is grace when we come to the cross and ask the Lord Jesus to forgive us. So now how does this practically work in our lives? Think differently about God and His character. Maybe we've never thought of God in this way. Let me give you an example from scripture. Matthew chapter 18, verses 22. Somebody comes to the Lord Jesus and asks him a question. Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? What is the reply that Jesus gives? You should forgive your brother. Sorry? Yeah, 70 times 7. You're absolutely right. Now, who's saying this? Who's saying that? Who's Jesus? Jesus is God in flesh, if Jesus is telling mankind that you should forgive him as many times as he commits that mistake, do you think that Jesus will do anything different from that? Because the concept of forgiveness comes from whom? It comes from God. But that does not give us a license to continue to commit. It's just that we don't understand that that is the character of who God actually is. Making sense? What do we often say when we come come for forgiveness? I don't think the law, even God can forgive me. For this sin that I am actually doing. And then because I don't feel forgiven. I am so sorry. (laughs) Because. (laughs) I will try not to Because I don't feel forgiven. There is no need for me to confess. Because I don't feel forgiven in the first place. But that is not who God is. God is forgiving. A child of God has all his sins forgiven. Because it is based on the character of God. And not on our works. So number one from Romans chapter 6 is our identity in Christ. Number two, our unity with Christ. Look at chapter 6 of Romans and verses 5 to 7. Just want to pull out some words. Chapter 6 verses 5 to 7. Look at some of the words that is described over here. Verses 6. For we know that our old self you says body of sin, verses six, slaves to sin, verses six. So when you think of these words, old self, body of sin, slave to sin, I want us to think of this word control. We were under the control to our old self, the body of sin. We were once slaves to sin. The problem is we no longer realize that we are not under the control of them we are no longer under the control of them we do not watch pornography because we are forced to watch pornography that is what we used to do earlier when we were dead in Christ why do we watch pornography simply because I enjoy watching it true None of us, if you've ever struggled with it, switch on, type something, look at it and say, oh man, I don't want to, God, you know, I don't want to, I'm trying to close my eyes, but there are, there, there's a gap in my, no, we seek it out, we love it. And then after we watch, we go through this guilt and we say, Lord, only if I was not under the control. And then God says, Jobin, you no longer are. That is what dead to Christ actually mean. And then you and I create excuses within ourselves. Only if I was not forced to watch this. Only if, I don't know you've ever prayed like this, Lord, if you don't want me to watch pornography, my computer should not switch on. What's oh, switching on? I don't know if you've ever said that. Lord, if you don't want me to watch pornography, when I type www dot, something should happen. It's not happening, that means, no. This no longer has control over us. Many of us don't actually realize that. Pornography, Today has become so much a part of our lives, so much so we really do not know who is actually in control. We even don't know what the other side actually looks like. Why? Because you and I have been watching pornography for such a long time, it has become such an addiction, we do not know how to go about one day without watching it. Make sense? right? I've watched it so many times. Every day 5 to 6 my daily routine is to sit and watch. So much so I don't know how my life looks like when I'm not in front of my computer watching this. So I tell myself that I am the one under control. That's not what it actually means. Because that is our old self. That is uh, we were earlier slaves and we were in the body of sin. We are no longer under the control of sin. So we spoke about our identity, our unity. Number three, our eternity with Christ. Verses 8 to 11. Okay. All of this has been made possible the moment we understand what it means to be dead to sin. Verses 11. What does it say? Romans 6 verse 11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now listen to this. Sin speaks a dead language in the life of a born-again believer today. So we need to fully realize what Christ has already done. And all that Christ calls us to do is to enjoy that life. Nate Bramson gave this example at the camp. When you place a dead body and when everybody comes and cries for the dead body, no matter what the dead body is going through, if you take a glass of cold, chilled water, it no longer has any significance to the dead body. And that is what dead to Christ actually means. So we should transform our mind when we sit down and when we are tempted and when we go through those emotions of satisfying a sinful urge to tell myself, you know what, Jobin? This no longer satisfies me. Instead of telling lies to ourselves. I'm being forced to do this. There's no point in confessing because I know I'll be here tomorrow doing the same exact thing. No, instead, you know what? This... What do I get out of this? What what do I get out of this? Okay, I watch this for some time and it gives me some pleasure, a momentary pleasure. What do I do with this pleasure? Absolutely nothing. And all of this has been made possible simply when we begin to consider ourselves dead to Christ. The problem with many of us is that many of us have not realized that we are yet dead to such things in the first place. That is why moving on, overcoming is very difficult and sometimes impossible. So maybe practically what you and I can actually do is start thinking things that we've never thought of before. So maybe when we are tempted to do this sit and, w- and when we are tempted stop and say I am doing something that is dead to me. Repeat it. I am doing something that is dead to me. I am doing something that is dead to me. I Why is this dead to me? Because Jesus has already taken care of this sinful urge on the cross. I never knew it. I've been feeding lies to myself. This is dead to me. I don't need this to satisfy myself. I don't need this to satisfy myself. Making sense? Yes or no? Okay. So that is what it means to count ourselves dead to sin. Number two. Number two is continue not the rain. ...of sin in our mortal bodies. Okay, that's what verses 12 onwards talking uh, is talking about. Now listen, in, uh, in the first passage, verses 1 to 11, we were talking about the work of Christ. Now, the attitude of any born-again believer that they have died to sin... ...or the work of Christ, now needs to be translated into action which comes with time. I'll say that again. The attitude of the mind of any born-again believer about the work of Christ on the cross, must be translated into work which comes with time. Impatience does not help. Impatience does not help. We desire overnight changes. That doesn't work. And how can we do that? We can do that by understanding the differences that Apostle Paul talks about from verses 12 onwards. The differences we understand. What are the differences we need to understand? We need to understand the difference between instruments of wickedness and instruments of righteousness. That you see in verses 12 to 14. He talks about that. Now, when you obey sin, from verses 12 onwards, it says that sin has become our master. Sin has become our master. When you obey sin, you are obliged to do what your master tells you to do right so how do we break the chain verses 13 by not offering your bodies to sin or as instruments of wickedness so let's ask some questions here what are the sources of our addiction to pornography in the sense how do we watch pornography is it on our phone is it on our laptops is it on our TV Ask ourselves these questions about what are the sources that we look for in order to satisfy this urge of watching pornography. And cut off those sources to start off with, limit our time. Well, again, that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen in a single day and and God understands. It doesn't happen in a single day. Maybe five hours that I spend, we can start by reducing it to making it. Four hours, that is something we can do. Four hours to three hours, two hours, one hour. So that we slowly wean it off in a, instead of saying, I'm just going to stop. What happens with immediately stopping is that the urge becomes so difficult for us to bear and the guilt that comes after that is unimaginable. I'm not giving us a license to commit sin. I'm just saying we need to understand that we should be patient with each other. So think about the sources. Number two, taking out and putting in. We read that in the book of Ephesians. When you take off the old man, you put on the new man. What happens with us many a times, especially with our struggle to pornography, is if I have a particular habit, we try to overcome the old habit by removing it, which is good. But we never replace it with something good and healthy. So when there is a gap, when we do not know what else to do, what do we ultimately then do? We go back to what we were doing. For example, I love music. I absolutely love music, so when I was growing up I used to listen to secular music. Not that secular music is wrong. But because of music I know that the thoughts that are there in my mind is absolutely wrong or unhealthy because there are a lot of music that I listen to that is wrong. So instead of completely stopping and saying I will no longer listen to secular music, can you give me a practical step? Instead of listening to secular music, Listen to music that has the gospel or Christian values to it. And then you wean it off. That's what we can do or how. So that's what putting in and taking out actually means. Paul talks about that in Ephesians chapter 4. But we do not understand this. So when we are by ourselves and we are in the habit of scrolling on our phone, what do we do instead of that? Stop that habit. Okay, you know what? Instead of sitting on my phone, let me do something that I normally don't do. Maybe I would go out for a walk. Maybe I'd call a friend when I'm going through a temptation at that point in time. And say, hey, I'm really struggling right now. There's this thought that's going through my mind. Do something different over a period of time till it slowly becomes a habit. Number three, accountability partner. Very difficult for us, right? To open up to someone and talk about our struggles. Right? Right? But accountability partners do actually help. So, what are our sources? Think of how we can cut the sources. We can take away the sources of pornography. Maybe look at what we do, maybe decrease the internet pack on our phone so that I don't spend too much of time on it. We can do stuff like that over a period of time. There are so many, so many apps available today, and next week, God willing, Liju is going to talk to us about practical steps. What are the steps we can use that is there on the internet to protect our eyes? And when we learn to stop something, let us put something healthy in it. Now, don't go to another extreme. Usually, won't have. when I'm sitting and wasting my time watching something, tomorrow I'm going to listen only to sermons. Be very careful there. Because after a point in time, the first sermon will be fantastic, but then the second sermon will be very, very boring. And then we'll be like, no, you know what, I remember what I used to. So, learn to put healthy things. We don't every time have to sit and listen to sermons. We can listen to nice music. We can listen to uh, songs from, I mean, music from nature, rain song. Do something different. Do things that we've never done before to combat the evil that we used to do at one point in time. Making sense? And at least start praying to be willing to open up to somebody. Now, this requires a lot of discipline regular healthy habits lot of patience and a complete change in our lifestyle and this comes with time number 2 law and grace one of the problems with law You see that law and grace in verses 15 of Romans chapter 6. One of the problems with the law in the Old Testament is that the law demands works and with works you cannot please God. You read that in the Old Testament. If you commit a sin, you bring a sacrifice. If you bring a sacrifice, go back to the law, read the law, do exactly what the law states. It has to be like this, this age, it has to be in this shape, size. You come, you offer it and even if you follow exactly what the law says... After you offer it, the law states that this will clear your conscience only for a brief moment in time. Have you read that? Yeah? That's the same problem with us also today. We substitute the grace of the Lord Jesus with works. What does works look like? If I read my Bible, I make God... Now, I want you to say it. If I read my Bible, I make God happy. We say that. I prayed for 10 minutes today. That means I have put a smile on my father's. I don't think God becomes happy when you read your Bible just to make him happy. Right? So that's the same thing we do with sin. Right? I did not watch pornography today. And if I since I did not watch pornography today, that means God is? God is? That's not how it works. Maybe I don't have to watch pornography, but I have other addictions that are going on in my mind. So therefore, what you and I do is we read the Bible, we spend time in prayer, we do a quiet time, but we don't do these things to please God. We do it only to know who God actually, originally is. I read my Bible only to pursue who God is. God will take care of the rest because he promises to do that. So I don't read my Bible to overcome my addiction to pornography. It usually does not work. I, over, I read my Bible to understand the nature, the character of God and I tell myself every single time that God is sufficient for me. and God then translates that work in my life where he allows me to understand and experience that in my Christian life. The struggles we face with all of these works that we do, quiet time, Bible reading, is to not to please God but to know who God actually is. That's the problem with the law. You and I need to understand what grace is. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Can somebody read that verse for me? Verses 10. 1 Corinthians 15 and verses 10. 1 Corinthians 15 and verses 10. Yeah. So I am what I am but by the grace of God. I am not who I am because of... How often I read my Bible or I pray because these things, when we do it out of our fleshly desires, does not please God. But or as it says, commit your ways to the Lord and then the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. Or Matthew 6, seek ye first God's kingdom, the things of God and God's righteousness. God promises to take care of all of the rest. So simple question would be to go back and ask ourselves, why do I read the Bible? Is it to know who God is or is it just to make God happy? And we fool ourselves into thinking we can actually make God happy in that sense. Number three, slaves to sin and slaves to righteousness. Verses 18, Romans chapter 6 and verses 18. We will not be able to serve two masters. Jesus also spoke about this Matthew chapter 6. We cannot serve sin, we cannot serve righteousness at the same time we will only learn to love one master. We will love the one and we will begin to hate the other. So what did we talk about in the second point? Don't allow sin to continue to reign. When you understand the work of the Lord Jesus in our life, grace is made sufficient, grace is made available, I have hope, I don't need to be disappointed, God is patient, therefore then what should you and I do? Don't allow sin to reign, don't offer our bodies. Look at the sources. Look at the things that you and I can do to bring change. Take out and put in healthy things. Be accountable to one another. And slowly, slowly, we understand what it means to be under grace, not under the law. And it is not possible, tiring to serve two masters. We will only love one and we will begin to hate the other. Number three, we often don't think about the consequences, especially with an addiction like pornography. That is what verses 23 is actually talking about. But I'm just starting from uh, verses 19 to 23. I want us to be remembering that we were once slaves to sin, but through the Lord Jesus Christ we have been set free once and for all. No longer does God hold his children to be under bondage, like how sin holds us bondage. So you and I need to completely differently understand what slavery actually means. Verses 19. I just want to read verses 19. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves. Weak in our natural selves. God actually made us to be powerful and strong. But what happens is because of addictions, especially with an addiction like pornography, instead of feeling strong in the Lord Jesus, we actually feel weak. Now, let me just talk about something here. Emotional triggers is a big weakness for us. It's not written here in the context, but I just want to talk about that because it makes a lot of sense. Emotional triggers. What does emotional triggers mean? I need to feel forgiven. Have you, have you ever thought like that? Why does my confession to God not make sense? Because I don't feel forgiven. Job and I read the Bible, but I just don't feel God when I... Read the word of God. Emotional triggers can be very deceiving and very difficult to overcome. The problem with emotional triggers, the problem with feeling it is that faith, I don't think is based on emotions, right? And I remember how when we were kids, people have told us that. Did you accept, uh, anybody here would like to accept the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, raise your hand. Yes. How do you feel? Imagine the confused child who sits there and says, I don't feel anything. that's a danger. Our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is not based on our feelings or emotions. I'll just give you an example. When we base it on our emotions and when we are emotionally triggered, we look for signs that are there in and around us. I need to feel. When I read, God has to become real for me. Then only will this make sense to me. That is very dangerous. For example, look at Mark's Gospel chapter 4 don't have to turn the verse 35 onwards the disciples had Jesus with them in the boat yes or no but even if they had Jesus in the boat the one who who created the whole world they did not they forgot about Jesus in the boat what were they concentrating on no in the boat with Jesus what were they concentrating on the storm what did they look at the wind and the waves even if Jesus was with them That was what they were not concentrating on. They looked at the external. I can feel the wind. I can feel the waves hitting the boat. And then they go back to Jesus and they say, Jesus, don't you care that we are going to die? That's the problem with emotional triggers. But maybe we should be like Peter in Mark chapter 6. Jesus, I know that is you. And because that is you, I want you to make me walk on the water. As long as he was looking at Jesus, he was able to. But the moment he looked around and he based his faith on things that is tangible, he began to. That's the problem with you and me as well. We easily fall into the I need to feel it and why don't I feel anything. That is not the power in which God has actually redeemed us from the cross. And we fool ourselves. If I pray, I need to feel, oh man, why is that feeling not there? Every time it's not based on our emotions. It is again based on the work, the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Number two. I hope you can see this picture of this dog being ashamed of the fact that it uh, peed on the... That is talking about the works leading to shame. Verses 20 and 21 works leading to shame. Sin actually has no benefit. Sinful lives have no benefit. It is only salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ that has various benefits such as peace, contentment and a guilt-free life. How many of us when we truly confess our sins to the Lord Jesus Christ can say that there is no guilt any longer remaining? Well, if guilt continues to remain, then I believe, based on God's word, that that confession was not genuine. It was not. Because genuine confession that comes from repentance will not leave anything behind. There is no, no guilt remaining because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Jobin, my temptation is too great for me. This is just too much for me to bear. But 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 13, what does it say? No temptation has seized you except what is? What is common to man? So do we all go through the same temptation? Yes or no? Yeah? Can any of us sitting here say, no, I have it much more worse than you? No. No temptation is us except that which is common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Let me Let me just give you one more example about works leading to shame. When I am struggling with pornography and if I watch pornography and then after watching it, when guilt fills my heart and when I go to God for confession, can, just, can somebody just tell me, what does those words of confession usually sound like? I watched pornography, I had a sexual thought, I masturbated and then I come to God, what does my confession sound like? If you answer, nobody is going to think that you are that person, okay? Please, don't think like that. Tell me, what does my confession usually sound like? Lord, I am I'm sorry that, come on, that I sinned against you, that's good. But that's very general, right? Isn't that general? What should we actually be saying? Lord, I am sorry that I find pleasure in watching pornography. That is being honest with God. And I'm sorry Lord that for a brief moment I satisfied my personal urge. And I'm sorry and I confess that right now you are not my fulfillment. That is confession. The reason why we still are guilt ridden even after confession is because we make (laughs) general statements when we confess. True? Yes? When I lose my temper against my wife I confess and I say Lord I'm sorry I got angry, Ruby is not in the picture and God is saying, hold on, hold on I want you to be specific, I'm sorry that I spoke to Ruby in a way that dishonored Christ is genuine confession we should understand what that actually means somebody, two friends were talking to each other and one of them said, you know I have a lot of of cobwebs in my house so every time I clean the cobwebs, the next day the cobwebs all appear all over again I don't know what to do. And then the friend said, the problem with you is not that you have cobwebs at home. The problem with you is that you have a lot of spiders that create those cobwebs. Once you kill the spiders, you can get rid of the cobwebs. It's the issue of the heart. Lord, I confess I enjoy watching this. I want to watch this. And I'm sorry, Lord, that I, that I just couldn't help. But I am sorry I satisfied myself and I watched pornography. I am really sorry. That is true confession. That's when Jesus says, "Oh, Jobin, now you are serious in your confession. Come. This is what grace actually means. We do not feel forgiven because we know we have not been honest in telling God what the real struggle actually is. Making sense? That's what you and I should motivate ourselves to actually do. I want to read a testimony that was written by someone here in our church who struggled with Uh, pornography and god has helped him to overcome this so i just want to read out his words that he has written of course not mentioning his name and i hope that this will be an encouragement to you i started watching porn probably in fifth or sixth standard and for more than 10 years i've been addicted to it even to the point i needed to watch porn every other day to escape from reality to find comfort etc i tried everything from 21 day challenges attending camps and workshops, and vows made to God, and even hoping being baptized would help me overcome this sin, but nothing lasted long when I tried to work it out on my own. Even when listening to talks on the ill effects and how it can bring destruction later on in life, it created a sense of fear which probably lasted one or two weeks, but then I found myself loving my sin more and end up watching more porn than before just to be satisfied. Each time I messed up, I could feel nothing but guilt and shame. But even though I knew it will only make me feel dry and empty, I still ran to it to find pleasure for the moment. I knew I couldn't overcome on my own and just feeling hopeless, I reached out to one of the older brothers here in CBF, being very afraid, and I told him all my struggles. He patiently listened and said we'll overcome this together, but it won't go overnight. For a couple of weeks, I would say no to temptation because of the fear of what my accountability partner might think. But I still found myself going back to square one. For the next couple of months, I fell to this many a times and I was really ashamed to tell him unless he asked me how I was doing. Slowly, he started to show me that I loved my sin more than anything else and I ran to it for instant gratification. He showed me scripture truths from the Bible about God's love and Jesus' sacrifice for me and encouraged me to always confess to God and run to God and pursue Jesus every time. By God's grace my mind is being renewed each day to think on God and His mercies and slowly by the Spirit's working in me found new desires to know God more. One of the truths I cherish dearly is the fact that Jesus died for all my sins and that I am perfect, I am accepted by God in Christ Jesus. There is nothing I can do to be more accepted in Christ Jesus than the day I became a born again believer. Also there is nothing I can do to earn victory on my own. Satisfaction is the work of the Holy Spirit, and I just need to submit to Him. Some things I did was to be careful with the kind of media and movies I fed my mind, because they were usually the things that led me to pawn, and to substitute that with reading God's Word, not to fight temptation, but to know who God is more deeply. And also thinking on basic truths and writing down what I learned from the Bible has helped me a lot, because I forget easily the truths from the Word of God, And during temptation, I can go back and read these truths written down and remind me of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. These temptations are still there every other moment now. And to give in and enjoy these moments is there. But I realize it will be there with me and in me till my last breath here on the earth. But in each moment, taking one day at a time to always put my thoughts on Jesus who died for such a sinner as I. Praise God for such a testimony. It is possible only through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. Romans 6 verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So Let me get serious for a brief moment here. If any of us coming to Calvary Bible Fellowship is still continuing in sin, without any remorse, guilt, or the fear of the consequence of sin, I cannot do anything else but be honest and say that it is probably because you have never truly experienced salvation in the first place. That's probably the reason why this is highly possible. And if any of you are in that category I want to encourage you do not battle this on your own. Please reach out to one of us. For such a person who is born in sin, living in sin who will ultimately die in sin without Christ will face the consequence, consequence of sin which is death. Eternal separation from God. But praise and thank God for what the remaining part of that verse says to anyone here who realizes there is lost a state, helpless need. All you need to do is come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Seek him by believing on his death on the cross and that person will give us eternal life. So for some of us probably we are not saved. And that's why this transformation has not even begun. And for that person, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it is the gospel that helps us, not only in becoming a child of God, but reminding us every day of the work of Christ in and through our lives. Can we all all just take a few minutes and just bow our heads in prayer? And as we close our eyes and as we prepare ourselves to pray, Just want you to think through what was spoken today from God's word and also from the testimony. Maybe you are in that place where you've just realized that you have not yet accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Well, all that the Bible requires you to do is confess your sins and ask the Lord Jesus to come and live inside. Or maybe you are at that place where you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, but this struggle has been ongoing. Understand that you need to think of Christ differently, that there is always forgiveness at the cross. We need to think of the work of Christ in a very different way, that Christ is always forgiving when we come to him in true, genuine repentance. Maybe some of us need to be willing to let go of our egos and reach out to one another. Not because there are peop- there are perfect people here, because we all go through the same kind of temptation. So wherever you are in your journey with the Lord, would you just take a few seconds and pray to God and set things right with Him? Whether it is entering into a relationship with Christ or restoring your relationship with Christ, whatever it be, just take a few seconds and pray. God understands your heart. And God promises you grace. Grace that is truly sufficient.
1: let's just pray father in heaven we uh, we are just grateful for the gospel of jesus christ father we are grateful that in christ jesus we are dead to sin and alive to jesus and father i i just pray for us as a church uh, we are weak we we really need help uh, and I just pray that you through your Holy Spirit would would help us see the truth of the gospel, uh, believe it with all of our heart. I pray that, uh, that you would give much grace to those of us who are really struggling with pornography and lust. I pray, Father, that you would give us the grace to reach out for help. I pray, O oh Lord, for wisdom and grace for those Uh, who are helping I pray that you would keep them from being complacent or prideful I pray father that uh, they would in all humility patience and love show others what the gospel really means and how it works out father I pray for freedom that only Jesus can bring and I pray, O oh Lord, that the reality of, of uh, what we have in Jesus would be the greatest reality we have. I pray that this church and each of us here would find so much pleasure and joy in God that sin and pornography and anything else would taste like garbage. And Father, we know that this is only something you can do And so, Lord, we turn our eyes to you. Help us, Lord Jesus, we pray. In his name, amen.